Hello listeners, welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur and real estate expert who achieved fire at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever or using the link in our show notes. Chrissy, is TJIF again. Here we are recording on Fridays. This is becoming a thing. Yes, it is. Welcome home. It is nice to be home. I did experience some serious, some real Canadian winter. I was in Alberta for part of my time at work and it was into the minus double digits and it's a little frosty here at home right now. It's mid-February and we're recording this and uh, I don't know about you over in the mainland there, but it's deep freeze over here in Vancouver, which our guest is probably, he's laughing a little bit to himself there. <laughs> Those wimps. <laughs> How is it over in North and where you are? It's actually really quite warm right now. It's only minus 25, minus 35 with the wind chill. So it warmed up. Um, only. <laughs> well, it, it warmed up 15 degrees since um, last week. That's awesome. Well, exciting uh, show here today because we have our first guest from the territories of Canada. Chrissy and I have been hunting around trying to find anybody because we want to explore FI Canada, as the name says, so we're finding people to chat with, and we have Scott joining us from Yellowknife in the Northwest Tor Territories. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks for inviting me. We're excited to learn about your pursuit of financial independence up there in the uh, less cold than last week north. We don't have any vloggers that I know of in the fire community in Canada in the territories, so it's nice that we at least get to interview someone from the Northwest Territories. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, maybe I'll vlog sometime, but um, at this present moment, I'm just um, enjoying uh, all of the different uh, blogs and podcasts that are out there and, um, and consuming that information rather than saying anything out loud um, in this manner. For sure. Maybe just give us a little bit of a brief overview of what your FI journey looks like right now, and then we'll dig into a little bit of how you got there. Yeah, so I, um, I had a, um, a back... Um, spasm a year and a few months ago and that put me out of commission so i couldn't really i couldn't sit and i couldn't stand i could walk and i could lie down so uh a year ago christmas i started doing a lot of reading on financial stuff before that i was with a, a financial salesman i would like to call them um <laughs> dealing with my financials and not really learning a lot about things and so i started learning little bits and pieces from reading a couple books and that brought me down to a big huge rabbit hole that brought me quickly to fi and fire and in the community and uh because i'm already i'm exploring this journey later in life i'm 49 right now a lot of the elements of fire and a lot of the elements of financial independence i've been aware of them for for years uh frugality and all those different things if you come into it and have no start then you start way behind but so i started quite far quite advanced in that process in terms of mentality and assets and all those types of things and so it's been a whirlwind year where i've just consumed Oh, I would estimate around 40 different books around the area of finance and um, the psychology around, um, around things. And it's just been a wonderful um, experience to sort of get a framework behind my thoughts of how I want to live my life. 
Wow. So it's only been a year since you've gotten into this whole journey. Is that correct? Yeah. It's been a year since I've been formally introduced to yes, the journey. Yes. Um, but you were already on the path without really knowing that you were on the path. <laughs> for sure. Um, I started my life um, being living financial independence on and off because I was I, I was self-employed when I was um, when I was younger. I was a circus artist and I was um, and I was touring and um, um, living the dream, slow traveling at points in times. I spent a few months um, in Europe a number of times in my in my younger life and. The only thing I didn't ever have was money, but that was okay. And that creates the base for Phi working out well, because if you never have money, then you never spend money, um, <laughs> and therefore you don't need money. Um, and, um, and you can be happy with less. And now that I make money, we're still not spending that much money, and, um, and we're able to save a lot of it. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting that having that, living a frugal and intentional lifestyle before, kind of gears you sets you up really well to when you do find financial independence and have it as and become sort of a target for your life because you can look at it and go well we don't we didn't have to worry about lifestyle inflation and that's what happens to so many people and it's interesting to hear you say that you know i think there's other people on this journey too that realize once they can put once they can frame it around this community whether it's fire or fi go i've been doing this before you know, and now I've got some purpose. Now there's some books. Now there's some framework. I like the way you, you said that. So you mentioned the circus. This is interesting. Yeah, I can't <laughs> tell just me, throw that tell in me and about not have this. people. <laughs> tell me about this. I can't just throw it in there and and, and um and have have it sort of slide in the conversation. <laughs> no, <anyway>. you can't. <laughs> I want to know. Um, well, this is this can be a whole topic on its own, and it, it takes us out of um out of uh, Fi in the Northwest Territories. But okay, um, we'll keep it brief. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um I've I spent um uh, four years at the National Circus School in Montreal. I've been doing juggling and unicycle and performing and fire eating and everything since I was fifteen wow. or, or less wow. than uh, twelve, twelve years old. And I spent ten years touring Canada. One of my fun stories is up in um, Port Hardy on the island. We went by when we were touring there. There was a tree that had two hundred um, bald eagles on it, and and everybody called them dump chickens, and they were the most impressive <laughs> sight. And so we toured all across <laughs> Canada, <laughs> seeing all kinds of wonderful things. <laughs> um, even your dump chickens. On the <laughs> dump chickens of Vancouver Island. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've never heard that before. You, you haven't? Okay. No. Uh, up, in, up the north of the island, um, they're uh, they're a fairly common creature, and they get into the garbage and everything. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> they're beautiful. But they are just scavengers. They are just scavengers. <laughs> I guess they are. Now, this experience you had in the circus of 10 years traveling around, I mean, it sounds like you must have had just amazing experiences. Did that lifestyle, um, I don't know anything about the circus. Was it a free, frugal existence through that period? I, I can't imagine you make a ton of money mm -hmm. as a circus performer. Yeah. Well, our my path was a frugal existence. Um, when I say circus, I worked with um, one other business partner, and we were both circus artists. And um, so there's just the two of us, and that, so we toured in the back of a, um, a station wagon, all of our stuff <laughs> in the station wagon, or we would we would found ways to get all of our equipment into four bags, which we could then fly with um, huh. and keep every bag underneath the 50 pound limit and go places. Huh. And yeah, so at the end of the day, we weren't making huge amounts of money. When I started um, as a student there in Montreal, I was making um, $10,000 a year and we were living on that. And, um, and well, I already told them, 
49, so I can date myself um, perfectly fine. Um, that was uh, 20 years ago. But, um, but even 20 years ago, living on $10,000 was probably a stretch. But that, that was where things were. And then at the end of it, we, were, we went up, quadrupled that amount. <laughs> and, um, and that was great. And then I moved up to the Northwest Territories. And um, that's one of the things we'll, we'll talk about here is, is, um, is money changes the whole scope of things when you're in the Northwest Territories because, because wages are better and um, there's a lot of, uh, of things um, in the North that, that make things you get paid more. But then on the other side of things, things cost a lot more depending on how you want to... Um, how you want to live your life up here. Mm -hmm. So tell us when you made the move and when you also pivoted your career, because you made quite a drastic change in your career as well. Yeah, I guess it should be important to say that I'm not a circus artist in the Northwest Territories. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> there's not a lot of places to perform. Although it is a, um, it is a side hustle as well, though. Um, we, for the last nine years, we've been doing a circus camp up here and living circus vicariously through our children and other kids um, that are interested in circus. So 10 years ago, I transitioned from being a circus artist to being a web developer, um, which can seem like a wide stretch of things. But if you look at um, uh, at circus, there's a lot of elements to it. You have to promote yourself. You have Performing is a very small part of the job um, of any small business. And um, so I was doing a lot of those um, of those tasks. And I was also doing them for other other people as well um, as a side hustle when I was a circus artist. So I went from my side hustle being web development to my main job being web development. Hmm, so, and how did you learn web development? Was that just something you're naturally interested in and you taught yourself or did you go back to school to learn that? No, um, web development is a field that can, the information is all there and you just have to have the interest and the time and, and consume it. And so I was doing that constantly. Um, just ever since I was a kid, I programmed and when, well, computers were just being brought to the prime time when I was in school. And, um, and, but I would program basic applications for my dad, who was a teacher at the time, to, for, for his grade two class to do spelling mm -hmm. and math and different things like that on VIC-20s. And then it's always been an interest of mine. I've always been in the arts and the performing arts, as well as in the math and sciences and, and logic side of things. So it's not a huge stretch for me to uh, switch from one to the other. And I actually think that I'm doing better in my current role as a logical web developer than I was as a performer. I was a good performer, not saying I wasn't, but, um, but it fits my, my um, fits everything better. And I'm, I'm really enjoying my, my transition. So I'm not sad at all, but I'm really happy. I had all those years of, of that lifestyle because I can't do that now. Um, my body can't physically, I even started late. I started at um, at the National Circus School at 26 when everybody else was 17. Um, and um, that nine years um, on your body doesn't, uh, doesn't make falling um, yeah, very I can easy. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So did you decide to take up web development full-time before you moved to the Northwest Territories, or did it sort of come together as a package? And what was that decision to move up there? Yeah, we were at a pivotal time with our circus company, and we either had to create a new show, probably um, 
probably hire other people to be performers and move into a director role or transition. So we talked about it because we're, again, we're friends and business partners. And so we both figured, we both found transitional paths. And so I had a job up in the Northwest Territories and he found a job um, in Montreal. And we both switched at the exact same time within, within three months of broaching the conversation. So did you move to Northwest Territories for the job offer or did you have a desire to move up there in the first place? And what did it look like sort of getting up there? You're from Montreal. That's a fairly drastic shift going up to uh, Yellowknife. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of holes in the story here. Um, I had a friend from university that had moved up here a few years before me, and I actually was up here visiting um, a couple years before I moved up. I spent half my life in small communities. Um, I actually was born when my parents lived in Baker Lake, um, Northwest Territories, which is now Baker Lake, Nunavut. And so I've lived in small communities for half my life, and I've lived in big cities for half my life, both Toronto and Montreal. And so Yellowknife is is a wonderful balance between those two um, those two extremities. It's about twenty thousand people, and it's fully contained, so it has all of the all of the things you need, um, all the amenities, and it also has nature within a few minutes. Um, Aurora watching um, 15 minutes away. We would wake up uh, with my with my son, um, wake up at one o'clock in the morning, make a, a thermos of hot chocolate and drive out and could watch Aurora, right? And eat marshmallows. So that is crazy. Just I that boggles my mind because people pay thousands of dollars. When we used to host homestay students before COVID, uh, a lot of them would pay $600 for one person just to go for a couple of nights and see the Aurora. And it was just by chance, if you happen to see it, it wasn't guaranteed that you would see it. So it's amazing. It's right in your backyard. You can just go see it. Yeah. And not only can you see it is if you're here all the time, you can monitor it and go out the times where it's amazing. And I've seen uh, I've been out a few times where where things are spiraling around and, and it's not just green. It's dancing lights and color. And um, there's greens are is the common color, but there's also purples and pinks and spirals and all kinds of things happen wow. up there um, that um, that you can't imagine. And, and you can't you can't get it as a tourist because you're well, you might, but the odds are slim. Mm-hmm. Definitely on my bucket list of all the places I've traveled. That's one thing I've never yeah. really witnessed is the Aurora Borealis. Very, very cool. So it sounds like Yellowknife offers a lot of opportunities to get outside, get into nature, do trips that don't cost a lot of money. Do you take advantage of that? Is that a highlight for you up there? Yeah, I, I've um, I did a trip a couple a couple summers ago where where we just we went out in a canoe. We carried the canoe to the lake, Great Slave Lake. Um, that's how close it is to our house. Um, and and then paddled for four days and was at a campsite that was sixty kilometers away when we when at the end of our trip and then got a ride home. And um, during that four days, we didn't see a, a single soul. We saw a moose, a couple moose, and some birds and different animals and things like that. But um, but it was. It was a wonderful experience, and and people pay big dollars to to have those experiences, and those are the things that if you want to have those experiences for cheap, then the Northwest Territories is a wonderful place because you get paid well and you get those experiences for cheap. If you want to have other experiences like going to a mall or West Edmonton Mall and and um, and other things like that, those are the things that cost us money because you'd have to travel to a city and then stay at a city and do all those things. So um, so it's a big balance of, of why you... So my choice of being here works really well for, for, for FI because I can... I get a lot of pleasure out of the things that are 
are are economical here. Some people move up here and it's the opposite. They have to spend a lot of money to get their pleasure because they always have to be traveling to the south or traveling to this place or that place. And if you're doing that if, if you're trying to do that regularly, then that costs a lot of money and you don't actually save any money when you're in the North Coast territories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, did you move up there as a single person and then did you meet your wife there or did you meet previously and you decided together to move up there and did you have kids yet? At what point in your story do, does family come in? Yeah, we had two kids already um and I moved up here. I actually moved up here on um on July 5th and my family didn't get here until uh, the 15th of September. So there was a two and a half month period where I came up here, had to find a house, um, purchase it, and then figure out how to get everybody up here. And um, so I ended up flying back to Montreal and hopping in a U-Haul and the kids and the wife flew up and I drove um, drove up here with my my, uh, my dad. Um, and um, so we'd have two people and it took five days of driving and got all our stuff up here and, and it's been our home ever since. Wow, so how many years is that now? It's 10 years now. 10 years. Okay. That's amazing. What, what an adventure <laughs> for your whole family. Yeah, I should. Uh, 10 years is actually, it, it almost gets me to a point now where I get some some uh, street cred in Yellowknife um, because <laughs> there's a couple groups of people in Yellowknife. There, there are the people that, that there's a transient group and um, statistics are made up on the spot all the time. And, and this one might be, but I've, I've actually heard it. 40% of our population is is transient within two years. So 40% of the population in Yellowknife um, comes and goes within a two-year period. And then there's another part um, that's been here all their life, they're lifers. And that's a, a separate section of the community. And, and so it's really interesting as, as a community because it's a very open community because there's so many people that come and go. And so lots of new people and you can make connections really quickly. And at the same time, um, there are some closeness because there are s some people that have to protect themselves because they're constantly having people come and go and, um, and never creating any consistency. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting place to, um, to raise a family and all those things as well. Would you say that because of that 40% transient, is that because of industry and job availability that people sort of come in, make some money and then leave? I think you missed the, the first part of this conversation. It was minus 55 <laughs> with the wind chill, minus 46, minus 46 by the temperature um, three days ago. I would have left. I would have left, um, so, I admit. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that leave the plane and then try to get another plane immediately after that to get back onto to leave. <laughs> I can't even imagine what temperatures like that feel like. I, I think in Vancouver, the coldest I've ever experienced in my life is minus 15. Like, and that's nothing, right? Yeah. Well, so when I say that it, it's 15 degrees warmer, you know, when it's zero degrees and all of a sudden it becomes 15 degrees, it feels like this is amazing. Well, when it's minus 45 and then it becomes minus 30, it becomes amazing. You all of a sudden <laughs> don't wear your Canada goose. You go outside without a hat on. I literally saw, it, I think it was crazy still because it's still really cold. Somebody was walking with t in t-shirts and a short oh outside today at minus 30. You're joking. Um, that, that must uh, no, be I'm not bad joking. for I, you. It must hurt your skin somehow. Yeah, he wasn't outside for long. I kept on looking back and he went into a building fairly quickly. Okay. But, but he went from one building to another in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> but it's compared to 
the temperature it was earlier this week. It is warm, Chrissy. <laughs> so it's a dry, it's a dry cold. That's why people. Sorry, I, I Trent. <laughs> so there it's a dry yeah. cold. It's still cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. That's one aspect of, of the reason why people are transient. Um, and the other aspect is that, that there's an expectation, oh, I'll come up here and make a lot of money. And, um, and they don't not everybody does. Um, some people spend more money than they make because things cost more here. Um, housing is, it's comparable to, I would say it's comparable to the suburbs oh, of wow. Vancouver. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. So, so give, give us an idea. Okay, maybe, let's say a 2,000 square foot house. How, how much would that cost? So a two thousand square foot house would, in a nice location of town, um, or well, most in most locations of town, would be between between seven hundred and nine hundred thousand. Wow. Okay, no, that's not a Vancouver suburb. <laughs> that's not a Vancouver suburb. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I guess I'm, yeah, it's <laughs> still no, expensive. But no, that that is that, it is expensive. expensive but that's for yeah, a basic that's, for a normal family yeah. home. How does that compare to Victoria? That's is pretty. That that's pretty ballpark. Yeah, same? I'd say it's pretty similar, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay. So yeah, so so maybe it's not Toronto and Vancouver, but um, but a lot of the other cities in Canada would it'd be fairly comparable. Hey, money mechanic, you use Passive, right? How do you like it? It's great. It's like my own personalized robo advisor. I set it up one time, then Passive helps keep my portfolio balanced by securely connecting to Questrade. Wow, sounds like Passive saves you a lot of time. Yeah, no more spreadsheets. And Passive even has one-click purchasing, which makes life so much easier. That sounds amazing. I also heard that Passive added a new goal feature to help DIY investors reach their investment targets. That's right. The goal feature is built right in and helps you stay on track with your investments. Chrissy, did you know that Passive is free for Questrade clients? Free is good, especially when it normally costs $99. How can our listeners get in on this offer? Just go to Passive.com forward slash ethic that's passive with no e dot com forward slash efic so what is it that would make real estate prices there relatively high is it the scarcity of materials that all needs to be brought in right. labor what is it that makes it expensive um it's probably um this is a tough question because at the end of the day I think it was manufactured that way at one point in time where, where real estate agents were doing their, their good job to make sure lots of things were sold and lots of people transitioned in houses and the real estate market went up about 15 years ago. It, 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 it climbed fairly quickly. But because of the expenses, uh, labor is expensive and there's a lot of other expenses there. So that's, that makes it the big difference, right? Buying a car maybe is a couple thousand dollars more than buying a car down south but housing is is definitely um is more expensive and at the same time uh, rent is is uh it's difficult to get something reasonable to stay in for less than than sixteen hundred dollars um that's for a single person um for a family you'd be looking at um two thousand to three thousand dollars for something to Yikes. some place to stay in and so it's expensive in all aspects of, of real estate. Now, that those additional expenses, I want to ask you some more questions about housing as well. But just out of curiosity, since we're kind of talking about that, those additional expenses for a vehicle and for housing, because they're your two biggest costs. Uh, we can talk a little bit about groceries here in a minute. Um, do the wages reflect that across the board that people are earning the 10, 15, 20% more that sort of equals it out? I think... 
think it depends on what you're doing.、Um, and there's a lot of areas where where、um, people definitely get paid the amount to compensate for that.、Um, but there's some areas where where people are getting paid minimum wage as well, and I think it's around fifteen dollars here. And it's tough to to make ends meet when you're getting、um, paid minimum wage. So it's kind of there are some places、uh, we have mining, and mining was a big、uh, in Yellowknife. There were gold mines, and mining was a really big industry、um, for a good number of years. And now we have diamond mines that are they're flying, but they're a lot of、uh, the services are based out of Yellowknife. And so some of that money. Gets put into into the town and raises、uh, the prices of things, so it's tough to say why everything is expensive, and and whether people get paid enough to to compensate for that. But in most cases, yeah, where wages are more than、um, than they are for the equivalent wage down south. And what about for you? Did you? I assume that you can work pretty much anywhere.、Uh, you can work remotely. So, did that have any effect on your wages to move up to Yellowknife? It's not actually as easy as to work remotely for the Yellowknife for Yellowknife as、um, as one would think.、Um, because, Internet,、um, right? No,、uh, no. no、okay. uh, the main reason is is that the nor- the territories a lot of the money.、Um, I think it's thirty five to forty thousand、um, dollars is given to the. Government of the Northwest Territories as transfer payments from the federal government for every person that lives here. So there is a big push to make sure that people that are working here are living here,、mm-hmm. and、um, there are incentive policies、um, for within the government to make sure that that like they give an advantage to people that are local on government contracts and things like that, and because the local economy is. One of the driving forces of the Northwest Territories,、um, having people here is important in order to be able to have services and in order to be able to have all the things that that we have. And the more people you have, the more that can be developed. So let's dig into some of your costs on your financial independence journey up there. We've talked a little bit about housing; sounds somewhat comparable. I've noticed on my taxes, there's is, do you get a north of sixty allowance, or is there any tax breaks on that? Yeah, I think we have、um, two different. So there's two special regions in Canada.、Um, I'm not sure in the name. I think there's like the Zone A and Zone B or whatever,、um, and whichever zone is the most isolated、um, is、um, is the zone we're in. But I believe part of BC, the northern part of BC, is the、okay. same zone as us, and、um, and it depends on your isolation. So that's a, a sub or I don't think it's a subsidy. It's a It's a tax benefit、um, for that, and we also get a housing benefit as well、um, on the taxes of if you、um, rent or own、um, okay. in the Northwest Territories. You also get get a benefit for that as well. So, in general, then, while we haven't touched on groceries yet, what do you find when you go shopping in the store? I mean, they've gone up across the board everywhere. For that's for sure. Obviously, you're in a big enough community that supply is an issue, but because of a little bit more of a remote location, are those prices passed on sort of across the board? Yeah, I, I have、um, I have a ten year time up here where I haven't seen how things changed down south, but I know that things are somewhat more expensive in certain areas. Unfortunately, you can buy a two liter of Of pop for the same price as you can buy a two liter of pop in anywhere in in the south as well.、Uh, but、uh, I was 
joking with my brother um, who lives in Ottawa about um, during the, the fall or the, the end of the summer about cauliflower and he was able to get cauliflower for 99 cents and, um, and we were able to get cauliflower, cauliflower for $4. Wow. So those are some of the areas that we would go to the market in Montreal and get a bushel of basil for $15. This, this is 12 years ago, but I'm sure it's not that much more now. And now if we want any basil at all, we either grow it ourselves or we pay $5 for a little tiny package. And the little tiny package is probably $5 in grocery stores down south as well. But we don't have the option um, to shop around. We don't have... We only have three grocery stores. We don't have the the Asian grocery store that has cheap vegetables and meats there. We don't have all, all of those choices that allow you to get things really cheap. Now, do you have big box stores? Uh, for instance, Superstore, Costco, Walmart for groceries? Yeah, we have we have two um, independents, which is Loblaws chain. Okay. Um, we have a Walmart, but it's not a grocery store Walmart. Mm. It's just, a, it's got... Um, dried goods and canned goods and things like that, but not the not the fresh food. And we have a co-op, um, which is uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta have uh, all the communities have the co-op. We have a we have a co-op as well for food here, and so that's our main our main shopping sources. So, yeah, I've heard that produce is a lot more expensive and harder to get up north. Have you found that that's the case? We have a road, and so. You would want to talk to people without a road. Um, <laughs> a road okay. The fly-in <laughs> communities, yeah. I see. Yeah, so, okay. So, so if you were looking at um, at the smaller remote communities up in the up in the north, like um, that are that are just fly-in, and I'll go to Nunavut because Nunavik is a the the center um, of uh, the capital of um, of Nunavut, and it's it's fairly big, but it's fly-in, so. Hmm. Prices are way more expensive for okay. for vegetables and meats and perishables in the flying flying communities. We have a bridge now. It came in uh, uh, while I was here, so in the last 10 years. And before we had a bridge, there were times where you had to stock up because there's a six-week period of thaw or freeze-up that could last, it could last up to six weeks before people could get things here. So the options were ferry or, or ice road. And um, ice road might um, seem strange to people, um, but we have a, a in the winter time we have a lot more a bit, much bigger road network because we have ice roads all around, um, and you can drive um, for great distances across lakes, um, and huh. it makes uh, makes things more efficient that way. So, are these natural roads that form because of the water, or or are they do you, do they make them the same every year? Do people follow the same routes and? Like, <laughs> Do they appear on a map? Such, such a Vancouver question. What, do they go out there and make ice <laughs> <Yeah>, roads? <I> know. <laughs> Lakes freeze, no, Chrissy. They could drive across a lake. Do. No, I know, but but a lake is like an organic shape, right? A road is. Do they plow the roads? Do they make the same route? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, how how does this happen? Yes. Is it different every year? Or the same every year? <laughs> they plow. They plow roads, um, okay. and they actually do more work than that because they have to. Um, in some areas, they're they're making um, they're making ice roads up to the diamond mines, and the uh -huh, okay. ice roads to go up to the diamond mines are taking tanker trucks of fuel up to the diamond mines, and um, I don't know the weights of these things, but. They're heavy, and so they actually do systems where they're where they're putting taking water from below and putting it above, so the ice gets thicker quicker, 
so they can sustain the weight of the vehicles huh. that are going on these roads um, up north. And there's hundreds of kilometers of, of ice roads heading to um, to the diamond mines. Um, locally, there's a few roads that go to the, to the communities that are um, that make it a lot quicker or given access road access during the wintertime that they don't have during the summertime. But there's, they spend a lot of, of energy building these roads because it's still cheaper than, than having a, a road that's all-season all road. <laughs> Yeah, that's mm. pretty cool. Okay. And, and that they're free for just residents to drive as long as I assume you need chains to drive on them. No, no, no. It's, no? There's, there's packed snow on it. Um, okay. It's interesting. Snow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know no, it's anything all good. It's about all good. these roads. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Chrissy, stay home if it snows tomorrow. I don't want you driving around. <laughs> I, so, I can handle a bit of snow. <laughs> when it's zero, um, when it's around zero, um, water... Snow is slippery. Yes. Um, you walk anywhere, snow is slippery because it's you put your foot on or your car on it, and um, and it melts it, and it becomes water, and it and it becomes a slippery surface. When snow is below minus thirty or twenty, even um, it doesn't even it's not even slippery anymore. It's actually quite tacky. Um, mm. Cross country skiing in the winter time is almost like shuffling along without wax. It's, it's, th Ugh. there's no glide. Um, because the snow is not that slippery when it's really cold. Huh. So there's a snow covering on these, these roads. And, and also, they're really wide. They're like a four-lane highway wide. And there's only two cars that every 10 minutes that drive on it, right? It's wow. not, <laughs> there's not <laughs> yeah. a large population of people that are driving on it. So it changes the, the paradigm. That it has to be experienced, I think. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It's definitely part of the experience of, of coming up here is seeing these roads that, uh, and getting out and looking and, and there's, there's ice below you and you're standing and there's a big crack in it and, and you can <laughs> see this crack, but it's not really a crack because you've got up to, um, I'm jumping between metric and, and imperial, but up to five feet of ice um, below you when you're standing on it. And, and that's a lot of ice. Mm -hmm, you can, mm -hmm. you can drive, a, I think a, drive a snowmobile on ice that's six inches thick. You can oh, walk so on ice that's a couple inches It's more thick. than enough. <laughs> so when it's five feet, yeah, it's, um, it's more than enough. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank, thank you for educating me <laughs> on these ice roads. They sound really cool. All right. That's enough about ice road truckers and all the rest of it. Let's get back to this fi journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's really, I have to do a, a talk about, about the Northwest Territories first so that everybody can get an idea yeah, of yes. what it's like because it, it's its own education, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole other world. <laughs> okay. So, financial independence, what do you use up there? Anything specific that helps you optimize, save money? And this can be anything when it comes to, you know, I'm thinking I'm sitting here, my heat's running more because it's colder right now at home. You must have costs for energy efficiency, things like that. Uh, vehicles probably get uh, abused a little bit more with the harsh winters. What do you do? Think of a couple things off the top of your head that help you optimize and save you money on those big costs. So we talked a little bit about housing. I want to go back to housing um, because we made a conscious choice. Well, I don't know if it was a conscious choice. It was probably a, a financial choice to uh, buy a, we could call it a modular home, but everybody would call it a mobile home when we moved here. And so we spent $300,000 on a, a large rectangle, 70 feet by 16 feet, that gets hauled up here by a by tractor trailer, uh, by a transport truck. And so 
it's an expensive outlay, but not when you're looking at that. We call them stick builts, right? So we have our own terminology for things because mm-hmm. we have different types of houses. So we have stick built houses, and then we have modular and mobile houses. And so by choosing that house. Um, the house that we have, the two things that are yearly that happen are taxes and heat. And um, I've I've done rough estimates for every thousand square feet. So our our places is just under just over a thousand square feet. So if you're comparing this place to a two thousand square foot, for every thousand square feet, it costs two thousand dollars a year for taxes and two thousand dollars a year for heat. Wow. And so that's four thousand dollars a year that we pay for those two things. A little bit more, actually. Taxes have gone up over the number of years, but but someone who has a place twice as big, it costs eight thousand dollars a year to heat um, yeah. and and taxes. Yikes. And there's a a large place that we've we've gone a couple times to, and it's fifteen thousand dollars to heat. Wow. Um, for the year, and um, this is a, a, a probably a four thousand square foot house or whatever. But that just having just choosing small saves a lot of money every year. We make enough money that we could have a house that is more, but we're happy in our space. And the experiences that we can have because of that are greatly increased. And um, so that's one of the places where uh, people talk all the time about when you buy a house, you're buying the house that you might need in the future and you're buying too much house. Um, and, uh, And that's an easy easy place to go to here um, because you have a there's a stigma and i knew i had it when i came here um, that mobile homes are trailer parks and things like that and and but here they're houses they're homes and they're homes that are more economically viable so you can not put not be house poor Um, so that's one of the big places that we're we're saving a lot of money per year by just having a smaller home yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's the trend. You know, people are, are into to tiny homes now, right? You're you're not a tiny home, but it's smaller than the norm. And and I'm at the one side of things. There's also houseboaters um, where the people actually build houses on uh, floating devices and live in the lake and they don't pay taxes at all. And they're often really? very small. And and uh, so that that's a whole other side of things um, that we've never, never gone into. But people are able to, to live really cheap here if they want to. Huh. That just totally reminded me. This is totally off topic, but I'm throwing it in here. Chrissy, you're going to have to put this in the show notes. There's that a, video. The YouTube one? Did it tell you about it? The guy I that, think, I, yeah, I think we were talking about it on Twitter a while back. Right? Yeah, he's built, Scott, Scott, we'll have to send it to you. He's built his whole house out of debris that floats down the river. He lives over here on the lower mainland, like probably 45 minutes from Chrissy's house, and he lives completely off grid. In, in a river estuary and has been collecting, you know, debris from the river and building up and he's mm-hmm. got chickens and veggie gardens and a all garden, that yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> There'll be a YouTube video in the show yeah. notes to check out. Well, the it's funny cool. thing is, the funny thing is, as we were talking about on Twitter, everyone's like, I know that guy. And it was three <laughs> different people all over the world that all different do this people thing doing where it, they yeah. just collect stuff that comes along and they're yeah. like, oh, I just built my own house. <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I'm, cool. <laughs> I'm all over a float home. It's it's interesting, but there's also there's again freeze up and thaw, um, and those times are challenging for people that live on the ice mm. um, because they're they have one foot inside a canoe and they're kind of pushing themselves along, but they could break <sighs> through at any point in time, and Ugh. and um, so there's a lot of challenges in in that lifestyle as well, and it's a it's a choice that a lot of people when they have families they they don't um, they don't choose <laughs> that lifestyle anymore. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> they would, right? Yes. Yeah. 
so another thing that that happens in the Northwest Territories is because we have extra money that comes in, a lot of people don't save money because we have this money and they go, oh, well, then I can afford this. I can afford this. Huh. And um, when we bought our place, it was um, a lot of places are sold with enough space to park all your toys. Um, that is a major selling point for houses in the Northwest Territories because people have boats and skidoos and four-wheelers and, and all these other toys. And they're useful up here because you can use them fairly extensively. We borrowed a canoe from a friend for the first um, eight years and then we got another free canoe. And we've been able to do all our exploring by canoe, which makes it a lot cheaper. But if you buy a boat and a skidoo and a, and a four-wheeler and have a truck and a car and all these things to experience, quote-unquote, experience the area, it can end up taking all of your money. And that that seems to be a lot of um, a lot of where extra money would go to is um, is buying toys and toys aren't any more expensive up here than they are down south. You can just get more of them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I I like the one now where you can actually put a track and a ski on your dirt bike and go snow biking. It actually snow looks it, it actually looks really fun. <laughs> but I bet I think. You're right there. One of the things is it, I always, I always kind of scratch my head a little bit because, you know, being a mechanic, I love going fast and I like all those things, but I recognize the direct relationship between owning a toy that costs you money and having to work more to be able to afford that, which then means you have less time to go and enjoy it. <laughs> so it's really one of those things. I don't think people really weigh that kind of offset that consequence they're like of course we're getting new sleds for this winter but i'm gonna have to work some overtime to be able to afford them and they don't have any time to go out in them so they sit idle the majority of the time and mm -hmm. it's like is that the trade-off that you want are you working for that toy that you don't get to use overtime just finance it <laughs> just finance yeah <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> sorry you've how got, old school old salary <laughs> that you can finance so much <laughs> It's scary, isn't it? Because now, like, I was, I was totally blown away. You can get like ten-year financing on boats. Ten years. It's wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> dangerous. Anyway. That's dangerous. Yeah. Six-year financing on a skidoo, oh. um, and the life of a skidoo could be oh. only a year if you hit a stone or a, <laughs> oh, or a no. thing. Like, there's, there's, Horrible. there are. There are ways that that won't survive those six years. So yeah, when yeah, you're skidooing on so, five in, five inches of ice, not six inches of ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fall through. So tell me a little bit more about this extra income you're talking about. Is it the transfer payments that you mentioned? That is it thirty five to forty thousand per person. Is that does that mean it's cash to you, or is that cash no. to your local government? How does no, that work? No, it's cash to the government. Um, and um, okay. And, okay. Wages are it's a supply and demand um, case for a lot of a lot of things um, where where private industry it's the supply and demand if they can get someone up here cheap. Um, when I came up here, I didn't have a great clue of of the prices and the costs and everything. And I came up here making um, I, I started at fifty five thousand dollars a year my first year here, which most people would say wouldn't be enough to live on, but because of my growing up and my frugality and everything that we still paid extra payments on our mortgage when we when we got here and it was all it was all doable but the government is a good thing to look at because governments have similar jobs across the board right and so if you're looking at a policy person in the northwest territories um they're paid 20 30 40 percent more than a policy worker in a government in the south 
So, so you have that, that extra pay as well. And then depending on where you live in the Northwest Territories, they add on to that uh, with a Northern Living Allowance. That is, uh, depending on, on the community, um, can be anywhere between uh, $4,000 and $15,000 or $20,000. Mm, wow. But hmm. if you're paying, if you're, if you're getting $20,000, it's because you're, um, in, in order to get a green pepper, you're paying $8 for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the wintertime. So, <laughs> so it's to cover that extra cost of living. Yeah, so there's, there's a number of different um, ways that, that people are compensated for that. And again, the trades, to get a plumber into my house is going to cost me $150 to, to $300 an hour to, to get someone to do work. And so those things are very expensive as well. Hmm. So would you say then that you have these extra benefits that you get, but there are some higher costs. Would you say it pretty much evens out? Or would you say someone like you, who's very frugal, is able to kind of game the system a little and uh, make it work in, to your advantage so that you have more than you would have in in the southern areas? I, I think um, I think you can work it to your advantage. I think that the, you have some choices and um, you might be able to have a nicer house um, if you're down south, but we can have a nicer car because we're up here or whatever. Like there's there's some balances that are going to be back and forth because depending on what's expensive and what's not expensive. But um, overall, when you have more money coming in, you can make more choices. Um, and mm-hmm. um, and I think that that making smart choices with that can make a big difference. Um, I I know of a couple that came up here. Um, this is pre pre fi, but um, for me for pre understanding of fi. But they m- worked up here for two years. Um, they both made small wages around forty or fifty thousand um, dollars. So that's small for around here, mm-hmm. and ended up being able to save eighty thousand dollars, buy a house in on the east coast, and then work a lot less. Right. So there are ways of of doing it, but you have to make sacrifices. Yeah, this isn't an easy journey to financial independence. You have to be intentional, and sometimes there's a little bit of sacrifice along the way. And I like how you're saying that, you know, once you've optimized everything, earning more money is really going to move the needle more than anything else. And the other aspect of it is is opportunity, right? And so I always say, tell the expression, if there's a job that you want in Northwest Territories, wait two years, and if you're qualified for it, it'll be yours. Um, <laughs> because there, it is a transient nature, and mm-hmm. so jobs come up much more often and it allows you to um to move around and and to have opportunities that you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't even be qualified for in other areas of the country um because there is a demand right not not a lot of people come up here and so they have to work hard to get um good talent so so people that have the skill sets can have their choice of of what they want to what what they want to do So I want to get into the education side of things, as you mentioned that there are some, there's some funding that uh, kids might get. And also, after that, I want to go into what your kids' futures look like up in the Northwest Territories. Is that the plan for them to stay and raise their own families there? Or or, or do they plan to get their education and then fly the the coop and (laughs) go to warmer pastures? Let's just start with the education, though. Tell tell me more about this local funding that you might get. Yeah. So um, for every uh, every year that you um, that you are in school in the Northwest Territories, you get a half year of financing paid for for school. <laughs> so if you're here for the twelve years of education, you have six years of post secondary education that um, gets funded. 
and I'm my my son is 15 right now, so he's in grade 10. So I don't know all of the ins and outs um, of all the details. I just know from um, the information I I know some information. So they pay for tuition and travel to and from the school that you're going to. So I guess I first should say that there are no universities in the Northwest, in the Northwest Territories. There is a nursing program here now that you can you can get do nursing here, um, and they're working in the next five years to have a have a post secondary education school. But it's going to be small, and it's not going to be. It's probably going to be a lot of um, of things that that makes sense to do in the north. So, if you want to go and get a a bachelor degree, then what they do is they'll find the closest location to Yellowknife to be able to get that and they will pay for the expenses of that place. So if Edmonton has a lot of different programs and it's our closest um, large community. So so if you're getting an arts degree, they will pay for um, two trips back and forth uh, per year to Edmonton so that you can get there and get back for Christmas and um, go out again. Um, and they'll pay for the tuition of the program there. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and then they have a grant or loans, and so they'll give a large chunk of money for loans. And at the end of the time, um, if you come back and you're working in the Northwest Territories, for every if you're working in in one of the larger communities, for every year that you're working here, they forgive four thousand dollars worth of those loans. Huh. Um, if you're working in a smaller community, in one of the more isolated communities, then it's eight thousand dollars worth of those loans per year. Wow. So you can get your education, and then within a few years of working up here have it completely free that's amazing wow so that opportunity is an amazing yeah it's an amazing opportunity for um for people so the rsps that we started when we because we were living in montreal um at the time we were like we don't have to put any more money into this <laughs> we just have to stay here um <laughs> so uh because the the opportunity to get a good education is available to you i don't think it's keeping us here but if we were thinking of leaving that would be a question of, well, should we because of this element of things? Absolutely. Sorry, and then to answer some of uh, more of your questions, Christy, I, I don't know about your kids, but my kids are going to like right now. They're they're making their own decisions, and they don't want me to make any of the decisions. So whether <laughs> they stay here or don't stay here, or uh, or or fly the coop, um, I have no clue. Uh, okay. But but if they if they want to find a way to to get those those loans paid off then they have that opportunity to stay here and it's surprising how some people just don't do that because they really don't want to be here anymore um mm. but i don't think i think my kids are enjoying um they enjoy here there's a lot of uh, i haven't touched on this but because it's a smaller community and it has a lot of things there's a lot of experiences here my son is in gymnastics and he's in the competitive gymnastics, and he might never be in a competitive program in a big city because of, of skill levels and things like that. But you have those opportunities. You have the opportunity to pretty much do anything you want. And at a level like where you can travel around and, and go, to, go to the Western Games as a gymnast, even though the odds of you being the top gymnast is not is not there um, because you don't have the all of the supports as you do down south but you have those opportunities that that exist and for families i think that's a that's a great aspect here is those ability to be able to do, do for kids to be able to do things that they they want and and get deep into those those different sports it's it's a really fun part of things too 
Well, it's definitely a unique place to grow up. And it, it sounds like you're really making the best of it where you are, really enjoying nature and getting outside and taking advantage of all, all that. That's just incredible, some of the experiences that you've shared with us. Yeah, I think that goes along with one of the things that you said to us here in the pre-show notes was that you like to explore FI with a mindset that is about experiences and generating and making memories and things like that, that are, it's really more important than money uh, at the end of the day. And you mentioned a book that I haven't heard of before that I'll have to look up. It was called uh, Die With Zero. Maybe as we're wrapping up the show here, just give us a little bit of uh, insight on that and your thought process there. Yeah, it's, um, I really enjoy reading, um, different books and, um, and Die With Zero is one that I really enjoyed. And it's when, when I read it, I go, Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> somebody is, somebody is, is putting in words some of my thought processes. And that, that happens a lot with these books because it's not that I haven't, um, thought of these things before is I just, it hasn't been contextualized or written down and, and read. And Die With Zero is all about the philosophy of, of experiences and, there are certain things you can do at certain times in your life that you can't do um, at other times in your life. Like, there's no way that I could work really hard for the first 20 years of my life and then quit and become an acrobat. Um, your body needs to learn those things when it's young, and those are things that just aren't physically, you're not capable of doing those um, with the older, learning them with their older body. I, I try to say that because I know there are people that can still do amazing things when they're older, but learning those things when you're older is is, um, is one of the hard parts is because you get injured when you learn things um, because it takes practice and work and those. So um, that's why I, I specify that to learn new things when you're older is, is, uh, that are physical is sometimes harder. Um, so uh, back to uh, Die With Zero, those experiences that's what you talk about when you're when you're old you don't talk about the money you made and things like that you talk about what you did and and the things that you did and so the concept of die with zero is to figure out how much you need to spend when you're young how much you need to spend during the middle of your life and how much you need to spend uh, when you're old and um i'm seeing it firsthand my parents um who are are, are nearing 80 they don't enjoy traveling as much they don't want to spend a lot of time away from their home yeah. Um, and they're spending less money because of that. But we're s the, the traditional retirement <laughs> process is keep on making money until you're 65, and then you have lots of money to be able to spend after that. But that's when you start the first maybe 10 years, you'll like travel and do all great, all kinds of great things. But it's not the same as traveling when you're younger. And there's different experiences that you can have at different ages. And so figuring out where money fits into that and so that you're not just having a whole lot of money when you're dead and it's all intentional so um the book talks a lot about inheritance and things like that and you can still be intentional and give inheritance but plan it and sometimes it might make sense to give an inheritance to someone when they're 25 or 30 um, because that's when they need money and mm -hmm. if you wait until you're dead then they're in their 50s or 60s and they might not need money at that point in time. They needed money before in order yeah. to be able to have experiences. So it's a great book and um, just makes you think about all of um, all of the, your intentionality. It comes down, we talked about this already in this, this episode about intentionality um, yeah. and um, it's all about that. 
Well, it sounds like it encapsul encapsulates the term that you wanted to coin, <laughs> reverse spy. <laughs> and it's true. And it also, you were mentioning in emails to us previously that you listened to our episode with our editor, Max, and how there are a lot of parallels there with your circus career, how uh, you, you do have to do some things when you're young. And uh, that's just the way you have to do them because it makes a difference what age you are and how physically able you are to do these things. So it's interesting to have that different take on FI to really focus on the experiences first and then the money later. Yeah, when I was when I was young, I, I, I spent um, probably like eight eight or 10 months um, out of the country in Europe and um, North Africa, just traveling. And to the point where you spend like your my main budget for the whole trip was three or $4,000, but you're gone for, for four or five months. And that's things that, that's a different type of travel than you could do and experience when you're older. And in his story, he was uh, the Die With Zero story, he was talking about one of his roommates did that and and went in debt to actually go travel at that time and wouldn't give it up for for anything because because those experiences are are timely and, and important to do and and so i coined uh, reverse phi i kind of talk about it because all of the things that i did when i was younger are kind of the dream of phi is to mm -hmm. to be able to slow travel to be able to to, to um to to have your own career doing what you want to do. And um, and I did a lot of those things and, and I'm really happy I did all those things, but I didn't have the financial backing. Uh, if anything didn't work out, you have to, you have to um, figure it out, right? And figure out how to, how you're going to solve that problem um, because you don't have that, the same financial backing as, um, as you would if you were um, financially independent, mm -hmm. but, um, but it doesn't change the experiences. They're still, they're still wonderful. Yeah, well, similar to Max's story, how we're trying to stress that, you know, it's the concept of FI and what you do to get there, it works even at an older age. It, in fact, it, it may be more even more important who are for people who are late to the game and need to start at an older age. Those tactics are still effective at those ages and you'll just get to retirement at a regular age, you know, rather than in your 30s or 40s. But isn't that still a great thing to be able to have lived your life young and then get to retirement at a normal age? Well, I that that is that is great too but i actually with the the concepts and and where i was starting and my intentionality with money and the the need for uh, of how much i need i can shorten when d depending on how i think about my my fi journey uh, it could end in a couple years or or take 5 years but it's a pretty short period of time to uh to be able to do things i should um i'd like to just go back to, to one other thing is one of our intentionalities is my wife actually um, stayed home and homeschooled for five years when we were here because uh, we wanted to spend more time with our kids and slow slow down our pace of life. And so that was another intentional thing that we, we did. And so we lived on one salary, which up here is, is not normal. And so just two years now, my wife has started um, working full time. And so all of the money she's making, we don't need it. Well, we don't need it. We're not going to give it to anybody, but um, <laughs> we don't need it for our day to day. <laughs> yes. So a hundred percent of it goes to savings. Yeah, a hundred percent of that, and and we've always saved anyways. So a lot of money is going into savings, and we don't. It doesn't even matter about our our return rate of return because when you're putting money away at that pace, your rate of return is is mm -hmm. is not as important um, because you're not compounding much. You're just yeah. putting it all away saving um, saving so saving. uh yeah that's an interesting aspect of for us is is we've done a lot of intentional things but by keeping our expenses low 
and always keeping it low, we're able to now make more money and and save it all. And we don't need more money to be happy. And we know that as a family, we've gone on um, every every year and a half, we've gone on big trips for, for five weeks down to uh, Central America and, and Southeast Asia and Europe. But our Europe trip, we, we biked from, from Athens to, to Rome. And, um, and it was, it was a great experience. And, and we got to hang out as a family for five weeks biking and it wasn't expensive, but we still got to do all the things that we wanted to do. It's all part of, part of, um, your plan. And, and, um, I spend a lot of time thinking about how money can be effective to, to make happiness part of our life. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that is a really important part and getting in the FI or fire mindset helps you make those choices that you can use money as a tool uh, to help you. It doesn't bring happiness, but it sure helps you choose the things that you want to do with intentionality to to find the happiness and the experiences that, that mean the most for us. Now, Chrissy, I was thinking, I thought of a an end of show question now. <laughs> okay, let's do it. It's always fun. <laughs> I was curious because I was thinking about this episode and I don't know, I really don't know much about Northwest Territory. So it's been fantastic to, to learn some of the things and, and hear your story up there. But I thought, well, maybe we need to start asking ballpark, like what your annual expenses are and what your FI number looks like. You can be totally ballpark and this is just off the cuff. So don't have to be too specific or I don't want to be too personal, but I'm just curious because now we're talking to people from different places. What are your annual expenses? You've got, there's, Two, uh, two adults and two kids? Yeah, there's four of us in our family. Our annual expenses... Um, Just a number. Don't well, go deep into it. <laughs> I'm going to split it up. I'm going to okay, split it up okay, into okay. two parts. Um, because because the one part is is housing, um, and that's the mortgage, and that can change. Um, we're actually paying more aggressively than we need to, but we could pay less and we could pay more. Um, so I'll split that off. So without the without the housing, um, which is I think we're, we're paying about twenty four thousand dollars or twenty six thousand dollars a month a year on housing, we're we're spending about forty thousand dollars, forty forty five thousand um, dollars to for, on everything else. Um, yeah. So that's that's just a ballpark. It's not it's not a huge amount of, of money. And if we were to break that down to the necessities and and nice to haves, a large percentage of that is nice to haves. Yeah, because um, we travel and do lots of great things. Yeah. So, um, well, you'll have to check out on Chrissy's blog, Eat Sleep Breathe Fi dot com. She has the new interview <laughs> series of for how much. Do you spend a year, Chrissy? I sent you my info, so hopefully, uh, yes, other people out I there will be, will be uh, sending you info. So we'll have a little database of how much uh, yeah. it costs everybody to live. Yeah, if you're interested, I would love to have you join because you're in such a unique part of the world. <laughs> I think it'd be really cool to see your expenses laid out. Yeah, it's, I just actually started tracking officially tracking them um, a year ago, so I have a year's year's worth of data now. But it's also a year's worth of data during a pandemic, yeah. um, so it's probably slightly um, slightly yeah. <laughs> slightly yeah. flawed yeah. Um, in mm -hmm. terms of accurate um, information. It's going to be an outlier at the end of the data set. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's uh, really appreciate you joining us on the show today. It's been fascinating to learn about your story. I think we'll do a whole nother episode on circus because I love how you, you took, <laughs> you took your, a small business that you worked in and you, you turned it into your hobby side hustle that you enjoy doing on the side and you live vicariously through your kids with that. And then you pivoted to have web development, which used to be your hobby that now is your full-time gig and uh, it's getting you close to FI within the next few years. So cool. Kudos to you. And uh, I want to drive on a nice road and check out the Aurora. <laughs> 
Borealis one day. Chrissy? Me too. Yeah. I'm right with you there. I would love to see either of those or both of them. And the Northwest Territories is also great in the summertime. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. It's, it must be lovely. Lots of meadows and um, different kind of vegetation than you would see down here. And big fish. Big <laughs> fish. <laughs> Very cool. And probably uh, elk or moose walking down the main roads. Not as, not as much. Um, well, so... Uh, we're not in the Yellowknife's not in the area of of, um, of caribou, which is um, in, the, in the north. There's um, the caribou is, is a northern animal, and it's there are some moose here, but um, but not as many as um, as you would think. Driving up here, though, you'll see um, you'll see bison um, uh, or buffalo, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so there's lots of different um, lots of different things that happen up here. So very cool. That sounds gorgeous. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We will uh, we'll chat again, Christy, on the next show. And Scott, thank you very much again. Uh, a pleasure having you here with us today. It's been a great time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you've been getting value from our content, please support us in the following ways. Leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Tell your friends and family about us or use our referral links at explorifycanada.ca forward slash recommendations. All of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us on our other websites, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefi.com. Our show is edited and mixed by Max Desmarais at Fix Audio. That's fixaud.io. Episode transcripts were created in otter.ai.